Welcome to the Loop Podcast, the podcast that deep dives what works today when it comes to marketing to the modern buyer. I'm your host, John Beck, Global Head of Paid Ad Cognizant, and I'm delighted to be joined by my guest, Diego Okuendo, Performance Marketing Manager at Catalyst. How are you doing, Diego? Hey, Camber. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to have this chat and, you know, let's dive into it. And thank you for joining. Actually, I'm pretty pumped uh, for you to be here because you are in an agency and you are seeing a lot of client accounts and you are seeing a lot of uh, client accounts uh, with a lot of problems. So I actually want to start with an intense question. Uh, when, you, when you are seeing an account, uh, what are the top mistakes that uh, you are seeing? What are the top problems that you are encountering with the uh, account? Yeah, this is a great question. And, you know, this is something that might surprise a lot of people that are not involved in the industry. But uh, there are some things, especially uh, things that I like to call the foundations, the fundamentals of, you know, paid advertising. These are things that even companies that are spending six, seven figures a month on, you know, on their accounts, they don't even have them set up. So a few interesting things, you know, to first, you know, to go on the tactical side of things that companies miss on, for example, on LinkedIn ads, a, a lot of companies don't have set up the the conversion tracking. A lot of, a lot of Are companies, you serious? <laughs> yeah, this is absolutely crazy. You know, for example, I've seen a company spending over six figures a month uh, on advertising and they don't even have a, the conversion tracking properly set up. They don't have conversion values. Because, you know, they mainly, you know, they go to LinkedIn, they say, hey, let's throw some budget, some lead gen forms, ebooks, uh, let's run them, you know, and let's create an audience. <laughs> and, you know, and even crazier, you know, sometimes even, you know, they don't have, as, as I told you, this fundamental setup, uh, you know, for example, they don't have uh, all of the, what we call, you know, the match audience, or they don't have all the built audiences, you know, like a 30 day, 60 day, 90 day, 180 days, you know, for, they only have it, for example, for website visits, which is the base, you know, the basic one. <laughs> but they don't have it set up for single image ads. They don't have them set up for company page visits, you know. And basically, you know, things that should be basic, fundamental things. And even if you're not gonna use them, uh, I encourage companies to at least build these things out because, you know, even if you're not gonna use uh, this anytime soon, you you have the data built, uh, you know, in the back populating that can serve you well for the future. So on the super tactical side, that's something many companies miss out on. And, you know, I even seen a company, you know, it's a little lower budget, but they even had the inside stack <laughs> installed, which is, crazy, which is crazy. But, you know, this, this one is not super common, but it happens a lot. Yeah, uh, but, oh, sorry. Uh, uh, are you no, continuing? Yeah. Please, please continue, because I have a couple of questions yeah. uh, on this topic. No, yeah, go on. <laughs> Uh, on the retargeting side, uh, I definitely agree about having uh, different kind of retargeting audiences, like for single image, for 50% video, 75% video, specific website pages, uh, high intent, low intent. Okay. And I agree with all of that. Uh, but in your case, uh, in which stage a company should consider having different audiences in different retargeting campaigns. Like uh, imagine a company with like, I don't know, $50,000 uh, monthly budget for LinkedIn. And if their retargeting audience is like uh, 10,000 people, do they need to also split their audiences? Like, do you think 
having a uh, separate retargeting campaigns for each of these audiences, like one for single image, one for company page viewers, one page, uh, one for website uh, uh, is enough, or should the companies uh, start with like only having one campaign, adding all of the retargeting audiences in that together? Yeah, that's a really great question. And, you know, I think uh, for the most part, it depends of what you want to execute in the strategy. For example, uh, if, you know, if you have video views, uh, audiences, uh, single image audiences, one thing you can do is, for example, instead of grouping them for, you know, for, let's say, the type of the audience, you know, single audience, a website visit, blah, 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 you can set them up based on time frame. For example, mm -hmm. uh, you can create the audiences based on, Uh, for example, every website visit, company page, single image, every interaction for the past 30 days, for the past 60 days. And you can, uh, this way, you know, instead you're not creating content for uh, people that saw your video, but maybe this video talks about something different than this thing. And, you know, when you group them together in, you know, in time frames, now you have a, a like a better idea of maybe the intent of that the audience can have or the familiarity they can have with your brand. So, for example, uh, if you group them every every you know every audience that has 30 days in the uh, you know that interacted with your company in the last 30 days, you have like an idea like hey they're more familiar with your content, they're more familiar with your brand. So we, maybe we can push a little bit heavier with them on the you know on our offers, maybe on on you know more direct response ads. And for mm -hmm. example, you can take also. Uh, those campaigns or those people that you know uh, interact with your company in the last 180 days last year and just you know regardless of their let's say where how did they interact with your brand and you give them you know more nurturing campaigns showing them content you know keeping uh, like they say stay in top of mind and you know this is how i will you know for example a uh, group them together based on that budget is focused on building this retargeting audience mainly on time frame, you know, to not create a lot of confusion. And maybe later down the road, you can start nailing, nailing down based on, you know, single image, video views, website visits. That's how I could approach it. Fair, fair. Uh, to, to fair, I feel the same thing. And uh, the only concern I have, like, I definitely agree with starting with one campaign, maybe two campaigns and include all of the audience on the time frame. But then uh, I feel like I'm missing out. Like if I'm getting conversions from that remarketing campaign, uh, I need to understand which audience is actually bringing that conversion. Mm -hmm. And I feel like like if I add all, all of the audiences, I miss out. But then also I know that realistically, I cannot create 10 different campaigns for 10 different audiences and then Uh, run every of them with like 10x lower budget uh, because I have limited budget. Right. I tried that uh, on Facebook a couple of months ago. Like uh, I tried with the Instagram uh, profile visitors, website, Facebook page visitors. Uh, it was horrible. Like oh, it was uh, a I imagine. <laughs> Like, like remarketing campaigns were actually bringing conversions beforehand, like when I include every of every of the audiences. But then I split all of the audiences and none of the audiences brought any conversions. Wow. So yeah, that's a, you know, a great point. Uh, and I think, you know, completely agree. Uh, when you get to a point, you know, when the volume starts to be really, you know, really noticeable, And, you know, you have start to getting more uh, conversions on your website. Like if you try to group them all together, you know, you eventually might, uh, you know, and your attribution might end up all messed up and you end up, you won't know what audience is bringing what, you know, what, uh, what conversions. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I think eventually, you know, if you have to, you are to a certain level, definitely you should take the time or the investment, you know, to fo- uh, build this out separately, or at least, you know, at the bare minimum, uh, you know, keep, uh, for example, if you uh, uh, like tie together theorems that are kind of similar, for example, those who are uh, in the website visits uh, side of things, you know, this is like the most common one. If you're going to use the 30-day audience, 60-day audience, you know, use focus, uh, you know, create one campaign for them, uh, you know, because they're often the highest intent of them all. Mm-hmm. And create a different audience for those that, for example, interact with your company page and maybe mix in the single image ad, which because often, for example, those who see your ads, uh, they click on your LinkedIn page, they might see your videos. So maybe you can group them together in terms of uh, those who are in the platform side of things. And, you know, this way, at least you have like, an idea of, for example, the website business are more high intent audiences and mm-hmm. the, those who are interacting with our ads and our company page are more like in the exploring phase. So that's a really great point. And I, if you like, you know, I, I could also talk, uh, coming back to the question about mistakes uh, on the strategy side, which is like the perfect, you know, the, this is pretty similar to what we're talking about. I think it's really interesting and something that Cognizant talks about a lot is, you know, how companies are obsessing or going crazy over, you know, the lead gen stuff or mainly, I won't say, you know, lead gen because, you know, I'm not a fan, even though a lead gen has been super demonized. I don't think it's mm-hmm. that bad, you know, how to, if you understand, uh, let's say the context or what it involves, for example, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I agree with you. I think the problem that lead gen uh, has been so demonized is that, uh, marketing teams use lead gen as a uh, short-term solution like i have downloaded incredible white papers i have downloaded incredible ebooks and like they were like 50 pages long i would actually learn something and uh, they were like high intent ebooks like if i downloaded that ebook uh, i was actually showing an intent because i needed that solution i need that value proposition but then uh because of like marketing teams didn't want to i believe uh deal with uh creating one ebook in a year and trying to distribute it and maybe it was also because of the investors because of the board uh they were pushing for uh more mqs then marketing uh, teams had to create more ebooks and when they had to create more ebooks with limited resources they end up ended up creating five pages uh ebooks that actually don't mean anything that actually just copy paste from uh yeah Google. five trends for 2023 wow what a what a great ebook <laughs> <laughs> like honestly like probably you're seeing that as well like especially for the first three months of every year top five trends top 20 trends <laughs> from every company and like yeah, i don't think this is year, a and at the end of here, top five predictions. Uh. <laughs> but I agree with you. Like, it is not necessarily a bad thing, but it has been used as an easy way to generate marketing efforts. And I think that's the problem. Exactly. Like, there's like a misalignment between what your customers want to do and what your board is asking you to do. Yeah. Like, for example, your board wants you to hit your MQL's target for this quarter. And, you know, you as a market, you say, hey, we can create the lead gen campaigns, we can get leads, but we got to understand, like, we have a sales process of, for example, six months. Like, there's no humanly possible way that our sales team can close these leads in in one month, in two weeks. And then what ends up happening is, you know, your sales team ends up, ends up follow, following up with all these leads. They end up getting annoyed. They block <laughs> your salespeople yeah. from all social media. And guess what? 
eight, you won't get the conversions and you will damage your company reputation. So for me, that's like the the most important thing to consider when running Legion. Yeah, it's not a terrible strategy because, you know, even though we are everything on LinkedIn, you know, talking about demand gen, most is I think it's safe to say that most B2B companies still run Legion. So the issue is not the strategy itself, but how these companies are actually using it. Yeah, definitely. Like, uh, ju- just like you said, like, uh, there are, like, most of the companies, let's face it, they are doing lead gen and they will be doing lead gen. Uh, like, we cannot change the way Microsoft does marketing. We cannot change the way IBM does marketing. Like, even, like, they cannot change a logo in less than five years. They cannot change a color in less than five years. Uh, and actually, yeah, I think, about enterprise companies, do you have any enterprise clients? You don't need to say the name. No, right now, right now I don't have it. Uh, at least I don't manage any enterprise client. So, but maybe you, you know, you have insights about that that you, you know, you would like to talk about. Like uh, on the enterprise companies, uh, like I was talking with someone a couple of days ago, and uh, he basically told me that like they can't even create a marketing campaign for lead generation. They need to speak with an agency because of all of their legal uh, team stuff. Like they need to use contact syndication programs. Uh, Like, uh, and like that companies are, like that that companies are not even able to do lead gen. So I think uh, like, okay, we are speaking about B2B marketing. We are speaking about, uh, top mistakes in B2B marketing. But when we take into account the whole B2B landscape, actually, okay, there's dimension, there's lead gen, and there's a whole traditional B2B marketing that actually is only about finding agencies and getting their stuff done. Yeah, and actually you gave me, you know, a great reminder because, you know, this is a, in a way like the pros or advantage of an enter- enterprise company is that they already have a brand. You know, they might run an app mm-hmm. You know, for example, uh, I've seen a uh, company, I don't remember the name right now, but it's like an app uh, showing, like an app showing their uh, performance report saying, hey, this is how cool we are. Uh, see how much money are we making. You know, they're a publicly traded company. And, you know, is uh, from my perspective, like it was an app geared towards investors. But I think it's interesting to see, like, in the corporate world, like the super big companies, they they destroy every best practice uh, from marketing out there, you know, and they still get yeah. results because, you know, they, they have a brand, they have a hundred million times more budget. And like, like you said, you know, the, the cons of uh, the enterprise world and where, you know, where startups can take an advantage is that, you know, the office politics, like they say, you know, if you want to run a campaign, you have to spend like three months to <laughs> deliver it where in the startup world you can, do it in a week in two weeks so i think that's like an interesting perspective to show like you know how different the dynamics are as you said in the demand gen war in the lead gen war and in the traditional corporate b2b environment yeah definitely uh and actually what i'm seeing lately some of the enterprise companies are trying to uh, run these gift card campaigns the voucher campaigns uh <laughs> for the demo uh for the meetings uh what are your thoughts of gift cards and have you ever tried and have you ever been successful this is a great question you know i haven't experimented uh, with it directly yet but uh, i have seen you know i the best example i have seen about this is metadata 
I know, you know, they've been running uh, these uh, gift card demos and it, they have been performing pretty well for them. But, you know, the thing I think uh, to make them work, you know, from what I've seen and my experience, you know, maybe you have better thoughts on this, but is, you know, focusing a lot on, you know, the audience you're targeting. Because, for example, if you run a gift card demos to this sector of the audience that doesn't hear and know everything about you, they, only, they will only join the call, you know, to get the free $100, you know, to get the free airpods. <laughs> you, know, you know, this, uh, like the incentive uh, for them is different. But I think if you, you know, you target a sector of the audience that are, is super hot, let's say they haven't, you know, they haven't quite pulled the trigger yet, you know, they might be, you know, a great opportunity or maybe as an ABM play, you can try it, you know, let's give them like that last incentive to, you know, to push and uh, book a demo. So I really think uh, over for the most part, most companies don't know how to use them properly because again, they don't understand the intent. Yeah. Uh, of the audience behind them but i think if you manage to you know find that balance they can work pretty well yeah because like i remember two years ago when i moved to my old flat uh someone emailed me and they said uh we will give you 200 dollar gift card if you have a meeting with us i don't <laughs> even remember the name of the company right now but i hit the meeting and i bought a tv for myself for my new home. <laughs> uh but that was it like uh That's for me jump on Bitwisa's demos and, you know, you might you make a, a living like that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And actually, you said something that I definitely agree, the intense side of the things. Like, you, if you run these campaigns to an intent audience, they might work. And in this case, uh, how would you define the audience? Uh, what type of audience would you say uh, are the hot ones, are the intent ones? For the gift yeah, card, so for example, uh, it might vary between company from company, but for example, uh, you can uh, try running this for those who are already visited your high intent pages, for example, those who already watch pricing, uh, saw your demo form, saw one of your landing pages, you know, that go straight to the asking for a demo, asking for a sign up. This like a super hot audiences that might be people, you know, that are actively researching, actively looking for solutions. So your best bet for these, you know, for these uh, super hot audi audiences is to, you know, get them on a call as fast as possible because uh, as they are researching your company, they are researching other competitors. And, you know, in a matter of days, they can, you know, they can end up signing up with another another company. So your best bet for these, you know, super hot audiences is if, you know, they're not converting, maybe, you know, we can get about, they might be problems with their messaging, with their offer, but let's let's leave that aside. And let's say, you know, you have a pretty solid strategy. The best thing you could do is, uh, you know, make, give them an incentive to take that last step to get, you know, uh, make the conversion. And that's how I will approach it, you know. But again, if we go for call audiences, people mm -hmm. that maybe are watching your podcast, your content, and, you know, this might not be, you know, this might backfire and, you know, you will end up having people that comes to your demo, you know, just to get some some free AirPods, to get some, you know, a new TV and new clothes. So, yeah, I think that's the problem uh, when it comes to gift art demos. <laughs> And by the way, if anyone is listening, I actually need AirPods. So if you're offering AirPods in exchange <laughs> of meeting, I am more than happy to have that meeting. Yeah, I will be uh, super happy to. <laughs> and uh, you spoke about that high intent pages on the website. Uh, and this actually brings me to my new, next question. Uh, if we are creating a retargeting audience uh, for the website visitors, 
uh, do you think that we should split that audience? Like, uh, do you think we should split uh, the audience to the people who have seen the pricing page, who have seen the demo page, so that they will be high intent audience? And um, uh, do you think is it okay to exclude the other uh, web pages, like I don't know FAQs or uh, some blog posts? So yeah, uh, that's a great question, and I think uh, you know. Uh, Again, I think it depends in how com these companies have these pages set up. But for the most part, from what I seeing, I think it's you know it's a smart uh, idea to keep them separate separately. Because for example, uh, I know Cogmis uh, pushes a lot of great blogs on LinkedIn, and it's not the same that you know uh, I click I saw let's say you shared a blog post from them uh, you know that you created. I go to the blog, I read it, I like it, and you know that's it. It's not the same as, let's say, I go to the website, I go to the pricing because, you know, there are two completely different mindsets coming into the page. In one, I'm, you know, just looking to learn. I want to see uh, more about the, the content they're sharing. And with the other one, I want to actually actually understand more about the product, uh, get an understanding, hey, how much are they charging? What is their demo? So, yeah, I think it's smart to keep them separately. But, you know, in a lot of companies, for example, Sadly, they have a, you know, they say, hey, everyone that visits our page is a hot lead. Please call them right now. <laughs> and, <laughs> the, you know, we come back to this lead gen stuff. You know, a lot of people end up, uh, you know, uh, bucketing everyone, uh, you know, in your audience together. Everyone that visits your page is a hot lead. When in reality, for the most part, uh, uh, everyone has a completely different intent coming to your website. Yeah, de definitely. Like, uh, definitely. And now we are trying uh, to split that even further. Like, uh, I think homepage is one of the most important uh, pages of the website. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, uh, homepage could also be a place that basically gets every irrelevant people. Mm. Uh, like, like we don't know. And uh, for that, we have been running a test for the last probably week or two. Uh, in one audience, there's the homepage visitors, and in the second audience, there's no homepage visitors, but there's all landing page, uh, paid landing page visitors, all pricing and uh, demo page visitors. Currently, there is no pattern, there is no uh, data that we are seeing, but I will let you know if this is something, mm. any anything That's interesting. So that's so like a really interesting experiment, and you know, I think it will be, it will bring pretty interesting results because you know. As you said, you know, the intent behind me visiting a landing page, uh, wanting to learn more about the product is very different than me try well, trying to learn more about the company, uh, you know, visiting the homepage. And as you said, you know, this is uh, the thing about, let's say, attribution, dark social, you know, lack of tracking. You don't know, you will never know if the person visiting your homepage uh, wants to learn more ab actually about the product or, you, you know, just visiting, learning, uh, you know, more about the company, like a uh, high level stuff. So yeah, this is a, uh, you know, an interesting also uh, side discussion, but uh, it's part of the conversation, you know, uh, you gotta understand as much as possible about the intent uh, when people visit a certain page on your on your website. Exactly. And you said something that I love, attribution. So on that part, how do you track uh, the attribution on your client side. Uh, do you have any tools that you are using or uh, like which models you are relying on? Yeah, uh, to, to go on the paid ad side, you know, I like, uh, for example, on LinkedIn to keep it uh, 
as simple as possible in terms of, for example, using a first using last uh, a niche model attribution, you know, to get like a gauge or an idea of what campaigns are bringing results. And let's say on a broader company uh, company level, uh, we we keep it also simple. For example, we use HubSpot, a uh, last you know last touch attribution, and also a Google Tag Manager and all this stuff. And of course. Uh, we like to, you know, mixing in the how did you hear about us, the qualitative uh, side of things, because you know uh, this like this has been like a debate debate lately, but yeah. I think uh, the best you know the best way to approach it is not to say hey uh, software attribution sucks. This is the best way to go, but it's like like finding uh, the how to connect the two. You know what uh, a person tells you might not be accurate, might not be super relevant. And also, you know, what the software tells you might have some blind spots, might not have like the the, the complete picture. So you need to combine both and, uh, you know, use your own intuition, your own skills as a marketer to connect the dots. I couldn't agree more. Like, uh, I think human verified attribution is crucial. Like, uh, okay, we need to understand. And uh, otherwise, we won't be seeing uh, where people are coming, if they're coming from podcasts, if they're coming from YouTube. But also, like, we cannot rely solely on the human verified attribution because, like, probably an average B2B buyer is seeing, like, 50S every day, and they might not remember that. Ad. But right. we know that, like, no one will just listen to you on the podcast no one will just show your see your video on youtube and they will be like okay i'm going to buy this product uh but probably that person is only remembering one touch uh therefore relying on the human verified attribution only is not the best way i suppose yeah and uh in your case uh if you are looking i'm glad that you are using human verified attribution because uh i actually this is something that i really uh am wondering when you are looking at the human verified attribution form and your actual data attribution data uh, are you seeing major differences and yeah, how uh, do you use that data yeah so wow this is a really good question i'm so, trying my best <laughs> you're doing amazing man so yeah uh, like it depends a lot because you know for example if, if there's a client that's mainly running paid ads uh, there might be they might not be a super huge difference in terms of what the the person tells you and what the you know what the tools tell you. But if you're running a more let's say more a demand strategy, more holistic approach, you're creating content, you're doing podcasts, you're doing a con a, you know overall content marketing, let's say, the, there's like quite an interesting difference between the two. And what's what's really interesting also is that, you know, I don't know if you have seen this, uh, but this is like something interesting that I kind of realized is that when the journey is more simple, let, let's say you, you see their ads, you visit their website, you know, there's not a lot of marketing stuff going on in the background. Often what people tells you is uh, they find you, let's say, through the last channel they, they interacted mm -hmm. in. But if there's like a much bigger, you know, much bigger marketing play, you know, you're running podcasts, events, etc. They often mention, you know, not the la not not always the last channel they use, but the channel that let's say impacted them the most, that they remember the most. For example, to let's take an example, you know, I don't know, Refine Labs, you know, a great example of this. For example, uh, if they saw you on 
or they might sell you on the podcast and they mention it on the on the uh, attribution form on the how did they how did you hear about us so this is something really interesting because when they there's like a bigger you know you have a lot of things going on in your marketing often people remembers not just the la how they you know the last thing or the often the first thing uh, or the first way they saw you but the way that remember something or the thing that impacted them the most which is something really interesting uh, coming to your question it definitely and this uh, attribution i think is one of the most important things to show the impact and uh, current in the current economic climate uh, we know that marketing uh, teams are the ones that got the most budget cut yeah. all the time uh, and I'm sure some of your clients also got some budget cuts. And because of those budget cuts, uh, the teams have to uh, be more aggressive. They have more aggressive targets. They have to achieve more. And uh, obviously on your side, showing the impact on the client side is getting harder and harder. Uh, how do you manage the expectations? Uh, and especially like if uh, you get a new client, because probably they would be expecting to see a result right away uh, in the very short mm -hmm. term. Uh, like, how do you manage these expectations and what are the success signals that you tell your clients? Yeah, this is a really, really great question also. Man, you're, you're on a roll right now. <laughs> you're, you're on a streak. Uh, I, yeah. I just love speaking with paid people. Like, I just love it. Yeah. This is a great question, you know, and yeah, uh, for the most part, I would love to give you like a one single answer, but you know, I'm also figuring this stuff out because it's really tough out here, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a lot, of, a lot of challenges for many marketing teams, and you know, one way it, like to manage expectations is understanding, let's say, depending on the strategy you're running, is uh, the importance of uh, qualifying signals, uh, early signals. And here's, you know, something I talk about a lot in the past is, you know, qualitative insights or leading indicators. For example, if you see you, you know, you start running a new, let's say, demand gen strategy, uh, you know, you have a lot of targets to hit. Uh, the best, one of the best ways to start, you know, measuring the success or identifying that, uh, say, people uh, might be on track of buying, buying from you or connecting with your company in the future is seeing a... Uh, you know more of the qualitative side for example hey what are the people uh, oh what kind of people is interacting with your content let's say you create a podcast uh, what if our cmos are listening to your show and you know you sell to cmos or you sell mm -hmm. to marketers what if uh, the vp of marketing of a company uh, saw your post and uh, share it with a slack group that often you don't know about you know these are some things uh, let's say super early indicators that you know at least what you're talking about, the content you're sharing is super valuable and the message is actually resonating, you know, uh, the point of view you're sharing is, you know, is resonating with your target audience. And another thing I, I like to track is, you know, before seeing like the uh, people coming in the, how did you hear about us form and mentioning your podcast, mentioning your content is uh, focusing also on these leading indicators like uh, the traffic on your pages are increasing, uh, more people are visiting again this organically more people are visiting your hiking tent pages more people are you know uh, doing with, sorry using non-branded search mm -hmm. you know uh, you, for example sorry branded search <laughs> i i confused it too if they're you know searching a lot for uh, let's say cognizant they're searching cognizant x piece of content cognizant podcast you know it means that people are sharing the word people are starting to you know 
learn more about you. And, you know, this eventually, uh, these qualitative signals eventually start to stack up. And, you know, before you even know it, like some people are coming to uh, on the on the website forms and say, hey, I saw your podcast with X, Y and Z. I loved it. Uh, I would love to learn more about your solution. And this is often, you know, uh, I would say like a step one to my, uh, getting expectations when running new marketing strategies. Focus a lot on those early signals, things that might not be tracked with, you know, pipeline, revenue, leads, but, you know, are still show that you're on track to getting results in the future. And uh, on the B2B marketing side, uh, actually, before going there, uh, I have a question for Google. Would you like a PPC question or not? Yeah, uh, from the like from the main uh, from the paid social channels like Google is the was I'm the least proficient in, but you know maybe we can try some questions on that side. <laughs> uh, I was going to you talk about uh, the brand searches. Uh, how about the non-brand searches? Okay, uh, we know that they are low intent and th- there might be volume, but that volume might not be very qualified. Uh, do you run non-brand uh, campaigns on Google? Yeah, so right now uh, on Catalyst, know that you know that I'm starting uh, with with a client. Uh, we're running like high intent, uh, broad, uh, sorry, phrase match uh, campaigns for a client, and they're actually a pretty you know solid source of new of new let's say of new leads for the company. I would say sorry, leads of more more qualified leads. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that when you, you know, when you focus on these non-branded keywords, it's super important to have a, or focus on the intent, the, uh, using intent modifier, high intent modifiers. So you're not just throwing a random keywords and, you know, beating on, on things that will drive irrelevant searches. For example, if you bring someone, uh, let's say someone is looking for, I don't know, a marketing, uh, let's say, a, I don't know, website developer. Make sure mm-hmm. that you use the modifiers so, you know, you're not, stru- not driving people that want to get a job as a website <laughs> developer. For example, use, you add the modifiers like hire some, hire a website developer, you know, something that uh, makes sure that the, driving, the traffic you're driving has the intent that you're looking for. Fair. And on the B2B channels, we spoke about Google and uh, we spoke about LinkedIn. Uh, and like... Do you have any other channels that you are using on the B2B side and you are getting some good results? For for pay media, right? Yep. Yeah, so right now uh, at Gadalis, uh, the company uh, the companies we're working with uh, or at least the ones I'm, I'm working with are mainly, you know, on the, let's say, let's call it the big three uh, of paid advertising, you know, uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and, and Google Ads. But uh, something that's super interesting for me is seeing, uh, you know, how many, you know, I have interacted with companies in the past that also have great results in unconventional channels. For example, uh, for B2B, I think uh, Reddit ads is like su- such a gold mine that if you manage like to crack the, the code there or like to, let's say, to identify how to best approach this channel can be a great, great source of opportunities for this channel. Uh, actually, for Reddit ads, uh, we've been testing it for the last one month or two, and we are still trying <laughs> to crack that code. Like, we've been uh, targeting communities. We are trying to understand those communities. Uh, have you cracked that code? 
Oh no, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I will. You know, I will want. I want to experiment a lot uh, of that channel in the future because I believe uh, these these seemingly unconventional channels have a lot of potential for B two B companies. Yeah, like I feel like I'm missing out because I can see that there's a potential, but uh, yeah, we haven't uh, figured out how to crack the code either. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's like a a slow journey because uh, something I I noticed about Reddit uh, as the overall platform, it the user behavior is super different. Like, uh, for example, in on something like LinkedIn, you might get away with you know promoting your company, promoting more about you. If you do that mm -hmm. on Reddit, like you get destroyed. Like people will <laughs> will completely roast you if you talk about your company. So the, for example, the budget, uh, the behavior of users on Reddit is super different. You know, you have to lead with value. You know, as much as I hate that word, you know, you have to lead with yeah. you know with yeah. be helpful in there, and you know, don't don't ask people for for you know for to convert to visit your page if they don't ask for if they don't ask for that. And if they don't ask for that, maybe it means that the content you're sharing is not that good and they don't care too that much about what you have to offer. So that's also a great way to test your messaging and your point of view in the market. Yeah, definitely. And uh, like, I think it is similar to this TikTok site, but uh, to be fair, I never tested TikTok because I always feel like it is going to get banned at some point. And I feel like, okay, probably it is going to get banned in a year or two. So do I need to learn? Do I need to see? Uh, but I, I'm seeing, uh, or people may be just lying, but uh, some people are saying that it is a great channel to reach B2B audience. But I, yeah, never tested. Yeah, I believe uh, TikTok also has some potential. Maybe it's a little unpredictable because we don't know actually what what's gonna happen if they're gonna ban ban uh, TikTok or not. But you know, um, I would say if you're you know if you're testing TikTok ads, maybe you sh uh, you should be you know pretty not be pretty uh, excited to try this channel because maybe you tr you end up cracking the code, getting great results. And it ends up getting banned, and you wasted all of your efforts and your money. So yeah, I would yeah. if you're gonna test link uh, TikTok ads, be very mindful of that, and you know don't get too excited at least uh, till the dust settles. And uh, we've been speaking about all of these new platforms, uh, but when if we go back to basics, uh, which platforms do you think uh, is your favorite on the B two B marketing? Ooh. Definitely, definitely as a paid, you know, from the organic, actually from the organic and the paid side, LinkedIn is for me the number one channel because even though, you know, the biggest conception is that LinkedIn is super expensive, which might be, you know, the CPMs are pretty high, but it is, it is for a reason, like the targeting capabilities and the opportunities you have to, to reach your target audience are insane because, for example, Facebook has like a native targeting uh, tool, which is pretty pretty terrible <laughs> so so yeah if if you have you know if you have the resources because you know you need budget for this but i think linkedin uh, overall as a you know super broad picture is the best platform for linkedin a uh, story for b2b ads and uh on linkedin have you been testing new uh, kind kind of campaigns or have you been testing new stuff Ooh. lately yeah, I've been, you know, something that, you know, is technically not so recent already, but man, I've been loving uh, document ads. I think they're amazing. And I, I see, and I know you have like a post that compared them with carousels. 
I think they're an amazing, an amazing opportunity. And, you know, for for those who are running more of a demand gen strategy, more of, uh, you know, sharing in-feed content, it's a, an amazing way, probably the cheapest way <laughs> right now to, <laughs> to reach a lot of people and get your message consumed. And I think they're, you know, they're amazing. And in my opinion, depending of, on the changes they're making on the platform, they might be, you know, uh, let's say a foundation of every B2B paid strategy. Yeah, like uh, the document has have been uh, like one of the best campaigns we ever run. Uh, as you said, wow. like uh, best way to show what we can offer cheap because it is a new product and LinkedIn algorithm prioritizes uh, document as. Uh, but the only problem uh, that I'm having with that is that I cannot retarget people who have yeah. seen, I don't know, 50% of my documented, 75% of my documented. And, and okay, I know that people are consuming my content, but I have no idea how to reach these people unless yeah. you click on a uh, website. And I've been thinking of a hack, like I discovered a hack here. Uh, apparently, like on LinkedIn, probably you also know that uh, you can target people. If you are running a lead gen campaign, you can target people who opened your lead gen form. So I'm thinking of adding a lead gen form uh, to my document ad. And it will basically say nothing. Uh, maybe I will just ask an email. I will be like, hey, if you like it, here here's a contact us form. That will be it. But since they will be clicking on that, uh, I can create a retargeting audience for the people who have been consuming the document ad. Oh. I will test it, but I think this is the way that uh, we can hack that. Oh, that's actually a really clever idea. And, you know, maybe LinkedIn should in the future I add a way to, you know, to like to, you know, to ask for an email at the end of, let's say, of a document that. So this way, you know, you, you take advantage of the zero, uh, let's say, you know, zero click content, you know, people consume the content instantly. But also you will have the lead gen benefit of you might, uh, you know, get those who are super interested or really like the document to download it and you get their contact information uh, in return yeah definitely and to be fair even i like i don't even want it if they only allow me to use a single image viewer retargeting uh option in the documentation that would be fine probably it would take like one hour of the development time literally uh but yeah probably it would take a year for them to deploy this yeah uh <laughs> and uh on this front like on the digital marketing front uh we have been speaking about all of these uh, platforms, all of these uh, campaigns, uh, and you have been running digital marketing campaigns for years. Uh, and we also know that a lot of things have been changed in the last couple of years. Uh, when you uh, look back for the, let's say, last two years, three years, uh, what do you think uh, has changed? And what are the things that you used to do uh, before and that they are not working wow. anymore? Amazing question also. So basically, uh, something interesting uh, that I've seen in the past two years, three years, you know, we, we've been kind of talking about it uh, along the podcast is, you know, how much, uh, how much the strategy has changed from directly, you know, a direct response, uh, advertising, asking people for stuff uh, straight up. And, mm -hmm. you know, how it has changed a lot to being more, you know, long-term, more, let's say, more relationship-focused on getting, you know, uh, not, let's say, nurturing those relationships, nurturing that audience. Because, for example, the competition has it has increased a lot. Like, for example, in the past three, four, five years, like, for the amount of SaaS companies that have have appeared, let's say, and grown, 
uh, are providing an insane amount of new SaaS solutions, mm -hmm. SaaS tools. So the competition has gotten pretty rough, and you can you you know you can't get away with the classic playbook of hey let's create an ebook, let's let's create a a webinar, ask for leads, sales follow up with them, everyone wins. You know it doesn't work like that anymore. And what you know the biggest change I've seen is this because now uh, you know people get bombarded every day by sales messages everyone wants you to buy something the best way to stand out guess what it's not asking for something like sounds <laughs> simple but you know with as we talk as we talk about like because companies and marketers have a lot of pressure this might be super tough and why those companies that you know that have the patience that have the willingness to take that long-term approach end up are ending up winning uh, today yeah amazing uh de definitely And uh, before we uh, end this, finally, uh, we have one question that we always uh, yeah. like to end on. What one thing uh, would you tell the current digital marketers to start, stop, and continue doing based on what you are seeing uh, mm. on the current landscape? One thing, uh, like this is, this might sound super obvious, but it's uh, like from my experience, uh, it is not obvious at all. This is especially for the early stage company, but one thing you have to start doing is talking to the customers, getting close to them on a as a much frequent basis as you can, because you know even though this sounds super simple, uh, many companies assume that they know everything yeah. that they know about their audience. You know they create an ICP document. Hey, this is Mary Jane, 20 years old. She likes to watch Netflix on on her on the weekend. <laughs> and, you know, this is like this is some information that really doesn't help you at all. I you know I found this is for the most part useless information. So getting going actually deep and talking to your customers, understanding more about you know what are their pain points, what are their motivations, how what are their struggles. Let's say something that keeps them up at night and. Understanding these things are actually incredibly helpful and can change your like your entire approach to marketing and business because you have a better understanding of what your customers want in your product, how they want their buying experience to be, their after buying experience. You know, there's a lot of great things that can come from this. And, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, getting on a on 10 calls every week because the logistics to do that are pretty, you know, pretty annoying and pretty hard to do. So maybe, you know, for example, at least start interacting with customers on social media, start again, going into Reddit, mm -hmm. start seeing the questions people are asking, go on LinkedIn, talk to people, answer questions, maybe, you know, something that's the most used, used one, but I, I really not a fan of, you know, using service, but if that's what you have available, it can also have mm -hmm. some great insights. So that will be something I will encourage more people, more companies to do because it sounds obvious and for this exact same reason, they don't do it. You need to start talking to customers consistently, find a way to gather these insights on a frequent basis. And, you know, this will give you a huge competitive advantage because you will always be aware of the latest trends, the latest things your, company, your customers care about. And you might be able, you know, to adapt your messaging, your your marketing approach pretty quickly. Like uh, we've seen last year, a lot of, you know, what we used to say last year in 2022 yeah. is very different to the message we're sending today. So, for example, last year, companies uh, early last year, companies wanted to grow. They wanted to get as big as possible. And now 
they want to cut costs, they want to save money, they want to be lean. So yeah, it just shows how different, you know, your approach has to be and why it's super crucial to start, you know, start talking to customers. And on the other hand, I will say, stop not doing it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> What a great finish. Like, I cannot tell you how much I agree with this. Like, I cannot tell you. Uh, yeah, I think that was a great finish. Thank you so much for joining me today, Diego. Wow, Camber, thank you so much. It has been a really amazing interview. And, you know, I'm super happy to be here. And, and you know, uh, you know, we're all, uh, as us paid marketers, all, always learning, you know, there. I think something we can I can confidently say is that I I don't have it figured it out and I think that's also super excited because it means you know we get to do it uh, try to figure it out every day. Yeah, definitely you know? live and learn and live and learn. Thank you so much, Diego. Have a great day. Thank you so much, Camber. It's been a pleasure.